today with the Universal Church, we celebrate and begin our calendar year with the celebration of Mary, Mother of God. It's kind of weird, and it really kind of takes it off-kiltered a little bit in why we're celebrating Mary, Mother of God. But if we truly understand where the word Mary, Mother of God comes from, the word Theotokos comes from the word God-bearer, it begins to make a little more sense on why we celebrate Mary, Mother of God. We celebrate Mary, Mother of God, because she becomes the bearer of Christ. She gives birth to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and therefore she is the Mother of God. And so for that reason, she becomes and have, has, was given the name Theotokos, the God-bearer. So as we begin this new year, as we begin to open 2024, what do we gain from this? What do we gain from gathering here, celebrating Mary, Mother of God? I think the gospel lays it out very clearly for us and allows us to better begin to understand our mission as bearing, being bearers of Christ. And it's so fitting because it sits within the context of Christmas because our mission beginning at Christmas was to bring Christ to the masses. We don't physically, we don't bear Christ like Mary did, but we become bearers. We bring Christ to the world through our words, our actions, and our deeds. So how do we begin to see and model ourselves and follow Mary's footsteps? I think it's very subtle in our gospel reading. It begins with the shepherd came in haste. There's only one other place in the gospel readings where we hear the word someone left in haste. And that was the beauty behind Luke because he's drawing us back to when Mary received the angel Gabriel and said yes to the angel to do God's mission. And therefore she left in haste to go see Elizabeth. This haste, this urgency that comes from it it's not because someone's dying. It's not because something's crazy happening. But this urgency comes from me trusting in God and allowing God to work in and through me at that moment. The challenge with urgency, the challenge with this quickness that has to come from responding to God's call is we get complacent. We want to wait. We want to do it when it's convenient. So the question becomes, whose will are we really doing? If God is inviting us to do something with haste and with urgency, do we not have enough confidence? Do we not have enough trust to turn ourselves over to him and say, Lord, you want me here. I don't understand. I don't know why you want me here. I don't know why you want me to do this but I trust you, I have enough confidence in you, and I know that you have my best intentions in mind, so I will allow you to work in me. Let your will be done in my life, and I give myself over to you. But instead, we find ourselves when God is inviting us for something more, when God is inviting us to respond yes to an invitation, we kind of tell them, eh, not yet. Eh, I don't have time yet. It's not what I want. 
We give God all these excuses because there's no sense of urgency. There's no sense of trust in turning ourselves over to God. And there's no desire to live out the way God has called us to do so. So what do we begin to find when we turn our lives over to God? We hear in our gospel reading a very poignant and very difficult thing to understand. We hear that Mary observes all this, takes all of this in, and meditates it and ponders it on her heart. The reality is when we turn ourselves over to God, when we do God's will in our life, things don't make sense. It was funny, I've, I've been sharing kind of my vocation story with some people, and I always go back to the phrase, you duped me, O oh Lord, you duped me. Because what was interesting was the way my vocation began was I received the call at seven, sitting in the choir loft over at Christ the King, and desiring for myself to be like my pastor at that moment. I never understood why. I never really comprehended what I was really drawn towards, but I knew I wanted it to be like him. But then as I grew up, I really understood and began to understand what that really means. What I was looking for and seeing in him was truly what it meant to be a spiritual father. A man who was there for his community, who checked on his community, who loved on his community like any father would. But growing up, I never really wanted that afterwards. Because this beautiful thing called marriage, love, and woman became the most important thing in my life. Fast forward till my senior year of high school, I caught up with an old friend from New Mexico, and we got talking at a, uh, at a Latin retreat, and I asked her kind of out, of out of the blue, I was like, what are you doing here in Fort Worth? You're in New Mexico, but you're here. And she kind of sneakily said, you know, hey, I'm just here to hang out, to visit and stuff like that. And I get shared with my vocation store and kind of where I'm at in the process. I'm kind of on the offense and everything else. And she says, let's make a deal. Let's pinky promise to each other that if, if we both do this, if she enters a convent and I enter seminary, we will both pray for each other. And if we go in, we both go in together. If we both leave, we both leave together. Me being the naive young boy I was, I was like, deal, sis, make a pinky promise. And she kind of chuckles afterwards and says, now you have to hold your end of the bargain. And I'm looking at her kind of funny, like, what are you talking about? And she says, I just entered the convent yesterday. I just entered the convent yesterday. And I'm like, no, there's no way this is happening. There's no way. You just duped me. You just lied to me. And she goes, no, no, I haven't lied to you. Everything was already there. I'm here with the sisters who are here at the retreat. And did you not notice the tone and the conversation we've been having with the sisters? I was like, no. I was like, you're, you're lying. So I walk up to the sister. I was like, hey, sister, can you please tell me if this is true or not? She keeps lying to me and telling me she entered, the, the, uh, entered your, your religious community. And she kind of laughed at me and said, no, she did. She entered yesterday. And I'm looking at her like, what did you do? What did you do to me? 
But in all of that, you come to find out that it's not always easy to turn yourself over to God. And to this day, I still sit and ponder that question over and over and over. Pondering it allows me to continue to reflect on things that I don't understand. Why did God have to push me in that direction? Why was that situation so crucial in my vocation story? Why is it that it took my sister, my spiritual sister, to pinky promise with me and say, if we both enter, we both do it together? I, to this day, still don't understand why this happened. And every time I get ready for Mass and I pray for her, I really think about the question, Lord, you duped me. You duped me, O Lord. It doesn't make sense on why he calls us and what he does within our lives. But being in the position I am now and responding to God's call, there has been some great moments in life, but there's always been moments in which it's like, Lord, it doesn't make any sense. Why is this the case? Why is this the way you want it to happen this way? But that pondering within our own lives, we're never going to get all the responses. We're not going to get all the answers to why God wanted it to happen that way. Why there's so much violence in the world. Why there's so much hatred in the world. But he invites us to continue to ponder it, to chew on that message, to chew on why we said yes and allow God to work within our lives. But then we find at the end of our gospel reading that the shepherds left rejoicing. Because it is, it is just that. When we say yes to the Lord, it's never really going to make sense. We're really not going to get all the answers. But the result of that yes is we leave transformed and changed forever. The young boy that Pinky promised her sister to join the convent is not the same boy that is standing in front of you today. That transformation and change and growth changes one's heart to conform your heart to the will of God, to allow us to truly crucify ourselves, unite ourselves to the love of Christ, to unite ourselves to the suffering of Christ and to walk every day with Him. It's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be fun all the time. It's not gonna be convenient. But at the end of the day, you leave and you continue to grow and change and are transformed forever. But that, transform that transformation and change is not the bad thing. It's a great thing. We're changing ourselves for the good, to the way God has called and meant for us to be. The shepherds leave knowing and have encountered Christ and have been changed forever. Do we not want that for ourselves? So as we celebrate Mary, Mother of God, we come to understand our mission and what God is calling us to do at this beginning of the year. He's calling each and every one of us to turn ourselves over to Him, to respond to Him in this urgency. But this response may not bring about all the answers we want, may not bring about a year in which we want to be that way. Because if we turn ourselves to Christ, our lives will be transformed and changed forever. But do we want that transformation and change for us this year? We normally set off all these lofty goals 
these New Year's resolutions for ourselves for 2024? Why don't we take on the true New Year's resolution and truly live this resolve to unite ourselves to Christ and His love, to respond to Him urgently, and to lead, live this year, 2024, transformed and changed forever, be, being the sons and daughters of God that He has called each and every one of us to be. So let us take this time Prepare ourselves, make this resolve, and sign the covenant with him as we approach the altar, affirming our resolve to continue to grow, to be the sons and daughters he has called us to be, modeling ourselves after Mary, the Christ-bearer. Amen.